Hello and welcome to the Peace and Love Amplifiers podcast. I'm so happy you're here. In these episodes, we will dive deep into the idea of peace. What is it? Is it even attainable? Everyone wants it. So how can we make it manifest? Along with my own experiences, you will also hear uplifting stories from inspirational people who are building peace in their own lives and the world around them. We are on the threshold of a new society, looking at where science meets spirituality. And these stories are a call to action to help overcome division and build a better society for all concerned. Join me on this thought-provoking journey to explore ways we can all amplify peace and love. Thank you for coming back to another episode of the Peace and Love Amplifiers podcast. I'm really excited today for our guest because we have two, two guests on today that are the co-chairs of the New Jersey chapter of Braver Angels. This organization is near and dear to my heart. The, the work that they do is exactly what this country needs right now. I actually am a, a member. I, I donate monthly to them and it resonates with me ever since I met our one guest, Karen, at my church a few years ago. You know, I, I've been a firm supporter. So today uh, I have with us Karen Reiner and Ellen Laird. They're going to talk more about what, what they do and why they do what they do. So ladies, thank you for being here. So, Thanks for having us, Julia. Yes, thank you. Oh, sure, sure. So Ellen, tell me why Braver Angels? Well, I think why Braver Angels is exactly what you said. The state of our country now is, has been very disturbing to me. The depolarization and just, you know, breaking the country in two and having people argue and the nastiness and the cancel culture and you name it, looking has caused me, excuse me, to look for a different venue really to bring people together and encourage understanding, listening, not so much agreeing with, but understanding someone else's point of view and having respect for that point of view. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell me about yourself, Ellen, what your history is, what your background is, and, you know, just a little bit about, about yourself. Almost a 36 year resident of New Jersey. Never thought I'd be living in New Jersey. I was originally from Philadelphia and like all Philadelphians, I thought New Jersey was just a wasteland. (laughs) (laughs) Never, ever expect to be living in New Jersey, but here I am most of my life spent in this great state. I really do love it. And I'm just like an asterisk. I've done a number of different things from teaching early on to working with uh, computers and and, and programming to living in Europe for a number of years and, and working in Europe learning a foreign language, coming back here, doing development work, mainly for schools, doing capital campaigns. I worked for a couple of schools. One in particular was a really little interesting private schools in Newark, which was a fascinating experience, just working in Newark and then working with the school. And then I was really happily retired about five years ago. And my husband retired about the same time. Hmm. And now we're just really realizing that we really love life. 
Well, that's a good thing. That's a good realization to have. Yeah. And, and Karen, so we met a few times and we had, we had lunch together and it's good to see you. I haven't seen you since, you know, since before COVID. And can you tell our listeners about what brings you to Braver Angels a little bit about yourself and all that? Sure. Sure. So Ellen and I, as you mentioned at the beginning, we're, we are co-chairs for the state of New Jersey. Braver Angels intentionally balances everything to be half red, half blue. In other words, half conservative leaning and half liberal leading. So with each state uh, coordinatorship, they, they asked to have one red and one blue. So Ellen and I became friends through our joint effort. One of the things that Braver Angels strives for is for people to realize we have more in common than we have differences. So I have to kind of laugh because I also grew up in Pennsylvania <laughs> and never thought that I would live in New Jersey either. It was the, I think every state has like their their competitive neighboring state that they make fun of. And, um, and, you know, growing up, anybody who was a lousy driver, we always said they must've learned to drive in New Jersey. (laughs) Then I moved to New Jersey and everyone who's a lousy driver in New Jersey, the people in the car, they say, Oh, they must've learned in Pennsylvania. (laughs) So, um, yeah. So Ellen and I have in common that we, uh, we both grew up in Pennsylvania and something else I just learned from her that she lived in Europe for a couple of years. I also lived in Europe for a couple of years living in Munich, Germany. Germany but aside too. from that, <laughs> wow, pardon, were you live in Germany too? Were also, we were in Frankfurt. I don't know I, that about I, you. <laughs> have to, uh, yeah, we have to catch up again. So, uh, but I got involved in Braver Angels. I, as I mentioned, I'm a blue, my husband is a red, my husband is a very conservative red, and so that was never a problem until about four or five years ago with the 2016 election. And, and you know, the reason that things I, I think started getting challenging in my household, but also in the country, was that we had a candidate running for president um, in the name of Donald Trump, who was not our traditional candidate, who a lot of people that I know had issues with um, his character. And that became something that caused a lot of division, I think. And I know Ellen and I have talked about this before. She, when she talks with blues, would like to talk about policy and not character because Ellen isn't Donald Trump and most Reds are not Donald Trump. And a lot of blues, including myself, get hung up on personality. Certainly, you know, the Reds in our lives can't control anybody's personalities and behaviors. So anyway, I became, I became involved in Brave Angels because I, I was concerned about how our country was dividing and recognizing that I was part of the problem because I was you know, being judgmental of people who would support a person whose character I felt wasn't, you know, wasn't what I had been raised to be like. So, and as a part, as a result of joining Braver Angels, I've been able to open my mind and put aside some of those issues and focus more on hearing people who are, people who vote differently from me, hearing their perspectives on why they feel a certain way about a certain policy. And I think that's, it helps us to be um, more appreciative of each other's experiences and perspectives and kind of like life lessons that we've learned that cause us to vote a certain way versus one way versus another. So that's a little bit of background on me. I also retired from my job about maybe not five years ago, maybe seven years ago. So doing this volunteer work with Braver Angels has kept some structure in my life that was similar to being at work, but you know, different in the fact we don't get paid for it, but but also different in the fact that we're focusing on things that are important for our own personal values. And so it's 
really rewarding work to do and meaningful work to do. Yeah. Especially now, you know, in this time, like Ellen was saying that it's kind of like, it's come to a head and we can, it's like, we can move in one direction or the other. And so in my background is my father was a Republican. My mother was a Democrat. So our kitchen, our dinner conversations were always, it were always interesting because they, my mom was a politician. My dad was an IT guy and worked in Philly. <laughs> we always had really good conversations and I was able to see kind of both perspectives and got both perspectives. And so you know, I, I really believe that we all have a seat at the table, that we all, we should have everyone have a seat at the table. All ideas are represented and the best way that we can move forward is if everybody's on board and, or at least their voices are heard and acknowledged and respected. You know, we all have gifts to give. And so, you know, I think the the work that Braver Angels is doing is is so timely. So what is some of the things that Braver Angels is doing? What what are some of the things that people can can jump on board with? I just want to I just want to address I mean, I, I'm, I'm happy to answer that, but I just want to talk about a little bit about a journey because sometimes we talk about people as if they don't change as they go through their lives. Just as an example, one of my sons-in-law who's you know raging liberal when he got out of college and he was very left wing and about three paychecks in, <laughs> he started <laughs> questioning a lot about where his tax money was going and what was happening. And so he began to evolve. And I think that's partially what happened with me too. You know, I began to evolve, began to learn a little bit more. And so my politics have changed over the years. But in terms of what Braver Angels does, um, they sponsor a series of workshops debates, alliances, and discussions. Um, I would even go so far as to say discussions online, although those aren't as prevalent, with two different groups, theoretically, reds and blues. And of course, there's purples in between. And the workshops and, and debates are highly, highly moderated. So there really isn't a lot of screaming, yelling, breastfeeding, you know, hollering. But the emphasis is, again, on listening hearing, which is different from listening, mm -hmm. absorbing, repeating what you've said, what you've, what you've heard, excuse me, and putting yourself in the other person's shoes a little bit. Also, you know, understanding a little bit about policy, a little bit about character, and really examining what everybody's journey is to the point that they've gotten to. Okay. Karen, did you have anything else to add? I think Ellen pretty well covered the, the range of things that we offer. One thing I wanted to point out is that, at least as of now, everything Braver Angels offers is at no cost to the participant. We do encourage people to become members. It's a very modest membership fee of $12 a year, and that helps support a very small staff that's paid at the, at the highest levels of the organization. I think I think we have thousands of members in Braver Angels and maybe only a half a dozen of them collect paycheck. Most of us are volunteers. So the workshops that we offer are free. And the reason I said at least for now, I think there has been some talk if corporations wanted to bring us in, we may charge the corporations for our time. But 
church groups, civic groups, book clubs, you know, uh, synagogues and, and mosques, any organization that might want to bring a workshop uh, to their group, um, they are not charged for that. So that's another thing that's nice to, to share with folks. And when COVID hit, um, we took what were traditionally what we called on land workshops and we converted them to online workshops using Zoom as a tool for that. And I have to say, I was a little bit skeptical at first about how that would work because I think there's a lot of connection when people take our workshops together in the same, you know, in the same physical space. But as it turns out, doing it online using Zoom has enabled people from all across the country to come together and join these workshops. And they'll, they might place you in a breakout room where somebody from New Jersey gets to talk to somebody from Arkansas and get perspective of, um, you know, a rural person's viewpoint or person of a different ethnicity or just a different experience. That's been a really kind of a fantastic way to keep this tool alive throughout the restrictions of COVID. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like I said to my, my 12 year old daughter, if, if COVID hit even 10 years ago, it would have been a much different experience. I mean, thank goodness for zoom and for Facebook and all these tools that helped us get stay connected virtually. You know, I, the work that Braver Angels does, you know, as, as far as making sure that everything is even, evenly balanced, you know, a red and a blue. And is it evenly like as people come in to the, the different classes or the, the experiences, whether it's a meeting or a facilitated event, do you have a pretty good balance of people coming in to the, to the, to the classes or it does it depend on the area? I think it depends on, yeah, go ahead, Karen. Sorry. It depends, I think on a couple of things. Um, One is the, the geography. I mean, there's some parts of our country that are, you know, more, more, more blue or more red. So naturally if you attracted a group of people, you're going to attract uh, predominantly um, a representative sampling of what that community looks like in terms of their politics. However, some of our workshops are open to just anybody with the goal of getting as many people trained as possible. And others are deliberately designed to require it to be half red, half blue. So depending on the workshop, you know, you might get a perfectly even balance of reds and blues, regardless of what part of the country you're in. And then on some of the other workshops, like the skills workshop and depolarizing from within, which I think Julia was one of the ones that you attended at your church. It doesn't matter if everyone or if the majority of people are one color or the other, because those workshops are teaching people individual skills. Red blue workshop, where we do it by invitation only to ensure that we have a balance of reds and blues, that one actually gets participants talking directly with folks from the other side. So it's important that we have a balance there. Yeah. And so what is the one thing that people come in with, you know, whether it's a viewpoint or do people come up with you and say, oh, I had this big aha moment or this hit me? Like what, what is in it for the participant to kind of join in and, and sit in on, on one of these, the classes or the talks? Well, I've never had anybody say to me that they've had an aha moment. Okay. But what I have had people say to me is that they have a, it's, it's like, I describe it as a, a parachute. We all know that the saying, you know, parachute doesn't work unless it's open and that's the, the mind also. And 
all of a sudden there's like this little sliver of light that <laughs> enters into their mind and they sort of understand that these are human beings sitting across the table, that they come from a different point of view, maybe a different background, but they, they're not a bunch of knuckle-dragging Neanderthals or loony. I find that breakthrough is, is really, really important because once you see humanity in someone, once you realize that you're not talking about you know, a robot, then you can begin to find, you can begin to have empathy. You can begin to find maybe a, a sliver of common ground. So that's what I see. I don't see the, aha, yes, I agree with you moment. I haven't seen that yet. Have you, Karen? I did have somebody at a workshop recently have an aha moment, but not in the sense of, oh, aha, now, I, now I'm switching teams. I'm going to vote the other way. But it was, um, we were talking about the values and experiences we'd had that shaped our political perspectives. And everybody in our breakout room talked about their parents and their grandparents. And um, it just so happened a lot of us were around the same age and we had grandparents who had either served in World War II or in one case, one gentleman's grandparents were Jewish and they had escaped Nazi Europe and immigrated to the United States. But all of us, I had a grandfather who liberated Dachau. So when we were sharing these stories about our families, the blue, we all had a patriotism. We all had a respect for people who were different from us. Um, you know, there was a, a sort of a gratitude that people like my grandfather and others were there in World War II trying to liberate. And, and there was an empathy for this gentleman's grandparents who lost all of their relatives in concentration camps. And, you know, we were way outside of our red and blue boundaries. We were, we were Americans and we were thinking of the things that made us proud in our family heritage. And when we did the out break uh, out brief from the breakout group where we brought the two breakout groups together somebody said you know did anybody have an aha moment and the one woman said I did she said I realized how many of us were influenced by our parents and our grandparents and then I thought about how many times I sat around the dining room table complaining to my husband about these crazy trumpers right in front of my children and she said I was teaching my children to think negatively about people who have different political viewpoints than me. And so it was like an aha for her that her political viewpoints were shaped by her parents and, and grandparents. And she wants to be sure she's now speaking in front of her children in a way where they're going to be able to form their, their own opinions and not hastily judge someone based upon maybe a, a joke or a comment or um, a stereotype that, that she was making. I think yeah. one of the most difficult things that I've had to deal with, maybe Karen agrees with me, is this concept of absolute truths, that if my truth is the truth and everything else that you say on your side is a lie. And I, I've run into this a few times where, you know, I people will say, well, I can't deal with these people because it's what they're what they're saying is not true. It's demonstrably not true. And I I don't know <laughs> exactly whether that's a problem that Karen's had or whether that's an issue. But in terms of aha moments, that seems to be a stumbling block. And I'm having a little difficulty with that. Yeah. I mean, there's the truth for me, like, like my, my truth, like what makes me tick, what, and to me, that's like you said, Ellen, that's like evolving all the time, you know, and 
what is important to me, but the, the core values I think are kind of always there, you know, they may change, but when we can all reach the core, you know, I had a previous conversation just a a few minutes ago um, with another gentleman and, you know, we're talking about the interconnectedness of all life and, you know, how we're really all connected. There's more sameness between us than there is differences. And I think when we can get to that core value, uh, you know, how we express that those core values are different, but, you know, we, we all pretty much want the same kind of thing, you know, whether it's our children to have a, a healthy, safe home and town or whatever, you know, and a prosperous future. So, you know, that's, I think if we can get to that space of meeting each other at their, at our core values, you know, that, that can be definitely a step in the right direction. Yeah, I agree with you. The the difference is that we we may all have certain core values that we, that we hold to be true. It's, it's a matter of how we, how we achieve those core values in terms of, in terms of policy, in terms of how we conduct our daily lives. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We, we express those, those core values in different ways. And, um, and, you know, and if, you know, one of my spiritual teachings is that, or what I've learned is that, you know, we're all doing the best we can with the information that we have, you know, and, and that, again, what Karen was saying is like what we've been taught, you know, cause I was very much like you said, my grandparents were a certain way. My parents were a certain way. And I know that just being a child in that, this family that I'm in, it has affected me in a certain way. So we're all, as we move forward, if we can filter out the, what we're saying to our children, you know, if we can be, uh, instead of like, you know, a colander, you know, which just lets a lot of things through to a, a filter that is very fine. We, we, we make sure that what we're teaching our children is the highest that we can, you know, and not bring in our grandparents and our parents viewpoint if they were racist or this or that, you know, um, that's how I think a lot of society can evolve the highest and best is served for all. I was thinking about my joke earlier when we were introducing ourselves and talking about how the Pennsylvania, when I lived in Pennsylvania, we all thought New Jersey drivers were the worst. And when I moved to New Jersey, they all thought Pennsylvania drivers were the worst. And and I'm thinking, you know, the reality is in Pennsylvania, when you wanted to make a left-hand turn, you made a left-hand turn. And in New Jersey, when you wanted to make a left-hand turn, you got into a circle. You did a rotary to make your left-hand turn. Those two different approaches. Southern New Jersey, Karen. (laughs) Yeah, no, we're we're not. And there's that dichotomy too. Yep. (laughs) I'm so But two two different approaches for the same destination. You know, we all want to get where we're going. We want to get there safely. And we want to get there in a way where we're not running somebody else over in the process. And, you know, and you know, metaphorically, it's the same thing. I think for the most part with our country, we all have similar goals in terms of 
wanting to lift lift people up, wanting people to to have you know safe safe homes, good educations, um, food in their children's bellies. And, you know, some of us might want to make a 90 degree left-hand turn and some of us might want to use the traffic circle to get there, but we still, we still all have the same goals. And part of what Braver Angels is about is helping us to listen to each other's thoughts and, and, you know, not always meet in the middle, not always change people's minds, but perhaps by being open to some other perspectives, you might find a compromise that we hadn't thought of before, or you might see a viewpoint that you're willing to agree with, even though you know traditionally that wouldn't have been something that your side of the aisle would, would think about. And at the very least, that you would listen to it and walk away and respect the other opinion, even if you never want to drive in the traffic circle again. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And, you know, I've been, you know, I'm a blue, I... I'm very much a blue, but like I, you know, some purple in there too, but I've, I've been to DC to lobby for a uh, department of peace building and going into different members, you know, Congress members offices and, and um, I, so, you know, I look at DC as like something that I would love for braver angels to be able to go into Congress and say, okay, let's all sit down and, and talk because, you know, we, as there, you know, if there are leaders, then it would be wonderful for them to go on a retreat somewhere and hash all this stuff out so that they can see each other from this, this higher perspective, you know, and get out of the, the side of the aisle that they're on. And so, you know, I would love for, for braver angels or, and other organizations too, to, to, you know, really do some work. And is there any kind of talk about, about that? Just this past weekend, we held a workshop in Morristown, New Jersey, where we had several prominent public uh, officials and people who had run for office, people who were chairs of the local Democrat and Republican committees. And we did a pilot version of one of the workshops that was specifically designed for people holding public office. And there is a goal within Braver Angels to ultimately bring these workshops and and these events that we do to Washington, D.C. So there's hope for that. In fact, Ellen and I are taking a telecon in a day or two where we're going to talk about how this workshop went and how we can expand it to some of the communities, the town halls, et cetera, in New Jersey to get public officials on board. And, you know, if they can kind of make the commitment to follow the Braver Angels pledge of how we behave, then they would be demonstrating that and there would be a trickle down effect and perhaps also a trickle up effect Mm. to our legislators. Yeah, I think that's beautiful, you know. That's that's really, really where I think a lot of work needs to be done. Well, we can start by maybe having people in our legislation, legis- people within our legislative bodies that have are elected because of their competence. That might be a start in having them know what they're doing and then be able to negotiate better with other people that know what they're doing. So maybe we should actually begin as citizens to take a little responsibility for who we have in our elected bodies. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So my one question that I would love to ask is if the world were perfect right now, 
what would it look like to you? I don't know who wants to answer first or if you want to pass them pass. <laughs> well, pass. want to go first, Helen? Hmm? You, go, I, you go first. My, my instinct to answer that question is that I'd like there to be no suffering. That's a pretty broad wish for a perfect world. And, and then in the reality, that means curing cancer and starvation and, and, you know, all kinds of things. And, and it's nothing we can wave a magic wand over and do, but in the world of what, um, the work is that Ellen and I are doing because we're not epidemiologists. <laughs> we, we're trying to cure sort of the cancer of the disaffected and polarized relationships between friends and neighbors and family members. And in a perfect world, if Braver Angels was, um, was ultimately successful, I think you'd see a country kind of similar to how we were after 9-11, where there'd been a horrible tragedy that hit us, but we united as a country and we found the best in one another and we helped one another out. And I think in many ways that that's what, I'm not saying we're striving for another 9-11, but we're striving for people to see each other as Americans first and, and lovers of our country first and not as opposing um, teams. Hmm. Thank you. Thank I you. Kind of think, I kind of think if you look at when the country was united and it's not united now and it hasn't been united for a number of years going back way before Trump in my opinion but we it was after we were attacked by a foreign enemy it, it was after Pearl Harbor it was after 9/11 so we were united against something and I know that sounds like a horrible thing just be you know it shouldn't be united against something but it does it's a it brings a commonality out we are Americans were fighting for what we all believe. Somewhere along the line, we've forgotten that. Hmm. We've just, we've, we've moved away from that. And I don't know whether it's because this particular younger generation hasn't lived through <clears throat> a war or a depression or, you know, some kind of, you know, tragedy like 9-11. They, a lot of them haven't, or they were too young and they don't understand what it was like. So I, I hearken back to the days of the greatest generation. I mean, they truly, truly were patriots. And they, I would love to see more of that kind of an attitude come back into our society. Not necessarily country first, but humanity first. And I just don't, just don't see it right now. So I'm hoping that the more we spread the word with this particular organization, organizations like yours. There are many of them out there that are trying to do it. And eventually maybe we'll get back to it. I'm just praying that it doesn't take another attack of some sort to unite this country. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, if we can get to that point where our way of life is at stake. And so when we can come together on that and say, okay, what's the best way to journey forward? And, um, you know, there's no other way that I would want to live, you know, than right here in this country. So, so I, I want to tip my hat to you ladies that, you know, you're doing this work that is again, so beneficial and so needed. And if there's any way that, any of the listeners can get involved. Um, I'll put the links up for Braver Angels and where they can reach out because, you know, this is all over, you know, it's not just a New Jersey thing. So, but they can look and find a chapter near them and 
and get involved that way. That would, that would be great. So thank you both so much for being here and for doing the work that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Julia. Thank you for having us and thank you for doing the work that you're doing. Absolutely. Thank you. Hey, you peace and love amplifier. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed what you heard here today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at peaceandloveamplifiers.com. You can find me on Facebook, on Instagram, and YouTube. Thanks again for listening. And remember to ask yourself, what's am I feeding the field? Until next time.